Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you tonight for every person present. Thank you for the life of God that goes out from your word. It heals the sick. Lord, it raises the dead. The very life of God changes our lives, makes them uh, to conform unto your perfect image and your perfect plan. And Lord, we thank you tonight for moving in us, moving through us, for directing our every step and ordering our paths tonight in righteousness, in truth, for the glory of God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. Sure glad to have everybody here tonight. And uh, amen. The Lord is good. Well, uh, we, we've been in this series uh, called Dressed to Kill, and uh, the reason we call it that is actually, I heard it from someone else, but <laughs> sounded like a good idea. Never heard their message, but just heard the title uh, years ago. And, uh, uh, but anyway, we're describing the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, and of course, the reason we think of it in this, in this manner is because that... Uh, because Paul was basically looking at a Roman soldier and using the Roman soldier's armor to uh, draw a parallel to what the Christian is supposed to be wearing in relationship to the attacks of the enemy that come against us, okay? And we are told to do all and stand with the armor of God, putting on the whole, whole armor of God. Let's go ahead and read this just to get our foundation once again. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. All right, and, uh, and so we've been, of course, going through the different pieces of the armor tonight we're up to this uh, the part where it says here in verse 17 take the helmet of salvation of course last couple times we've been on the shield of faith and that's a, the subject of faith is something you can really uh, spend some time on because how many know the Bible says the just shall live by faith and it's really something all of us should grasp and uh, I find it to great detriment that um, so many people when I say people just around the world have been Christians for years and really don't have a grasp on faith at all and, uh, and it, it's tragic because if you don't have faith your prayers do not work if you do not have faith, you live like a roller coaster. If you do not live and walk by faith, the enemy is going to attack you, and he is going to be successful. Okay? He's an ugly dog, and he wants to take you out. But if we got our shield up, we're okay. But if we don't really know how that works and how, how the principles of faith function and how they work in our lives, we're going to be vulnerable to many, many attacks. And so 
Faith, faith, faith. I could eat faith in the morning, have it for lunch, and have it for dinner, and never, uh, never really get tired of it because, it's, again, it's the way that we live. We worship God by faith. We give by faith. We lay hands on the sick by faith. We pray by faith. Amen. Of course, we're saved by faith, by grace through faith, right? And so all these things work in the realm and operation of faith, and it is also a shield for us that protects us from harm and from danger. So God wants us to be protected. Amen. And, uh, and when it comes to the helmet of salvation, again, um, it's real interesting that the, the helmet was to the soldier what salvation is to the Christian soldier. Okay, and just as the Roman soldier absolutely needed his helmet because, I mean, you could be taken out pretty quick without a helmet. Naturally speaking, in a battle, if you don't have something on your head, uh, it doesn't take much. I mean, some people have a hard head, but uh, it doesn't take much for something to penetrate and take a person out if their head is exposed. And so when it comes to our Christian life, we must realize this is just as serious as it is for the Roman soldier to have have his helmet on. It's just as serious that we be grounded in salvation. All right. Now, here's what I find interesting. First of all, when you say helmet and salvation, helmet, you think, well, that covers the head, the brain, and we know the, the brain is what the mind works through, okay? The Bible has more to say about your mind than your physical brain, right? And so, uh, so we could say the helmet deals with the mind, but really salvation, you, how many know when you received Jesus, you didn't receive him in your head? Uh, I don't mean your head wasn't involved. We do make decisions, but really we received him in our spirit, and when, when Jesus came in, our spirit was changed. It was dead, and then it became alive. But what happened to our mind? Well, not a whole lot. I mean, it made some decision and made some change, but it wasn't resurrected. It wasn't made brand new. It didn't pass from death unto life, and it was a, it was a new mind in Christ. You know what I'm talking about? Your spirit was made new, but yet we're supposed to have on the helmet of salvation. That tells me that, first of all, it is not automatic that a person who possesses salvation has a helmet of salvation on. And so there are many people who are saved, but their head is exposed. What am I talking about? Their mind is exposed exposed to attack are they saved yes their spirit is saved and so of course if they die you know they're good to go right safe and secure but in this life without a helmet our mind is going to have trouble and how many know that's one of the major areas that the enemy is going to attack okay ultimately you know what he can't really get your spirit once you've received the lord he can't make you unsaved he can't steal your salvation from you, okay? But what's he going to do? He's going to attack. We know two big areas is the mind and the body, all right? But uh, and the mind is probably even a bigger one because that's how he gets through to us to attack our body in other areas. So when we talk about the helmet of salvation, this is a critical piece of armor, and it's not automatic that because I've received Jesus that I've got a protected mind from the onslaught of demonic thoughts, 
and demonic attacks that will cause me to question everything that God wants for me. Okay, how many know there are a whole lot of believers saved, love the Lord, but constantly live in questions? Everything is a question. Now, I don't doubt that if, uh, if we were to go around the room and we asked every one of us, we could all probably come up with a question, something we'd like answered and something we'd like to understand more. And that's, that's fine and that's good because none of us know it all. But at the same time, I shouldn't be bombarded every single day with, I'm constantly living a question, okay? Now, I understand when someone first gets saved, they have quite a bit more questions. But as we mature, there should be things that we have established in our hearts and in our minds. And so we're living in what we know, not trying to live in what we don't know, okay? In other words, you're never going to be a solid, strong Christian is if all you think about is, I don't understand this, and why does this happen, and how does it, what about this over here? And you're always focused on things you don't know. Stay with what you do know, okay? Most of the time, meditate on, meditate on that. Be glad in the Lord for what you have received, and then deal with anything else little by little. But we must be established in our minds concerning salvation. Now, some have not really thought about that too much. They think, well, I need to be established in my spirit. No, you're, you're established in your spirit if you've received the Lord. It's a finished work. We are complete in Christ, okay? It's, a, it, it's, a, it's an accomplished, finished task of the work of God in our spirit, but now my mind must catch up to that. And I must have that same salvation that's in my spirit to be revealed to my mind, then my helmet's on. Okay? And so, again, how does the enemy attack us? He attacks us with thoughts to a great deal. And uh, having on the helmet of salvation is having a steadfast surety of abiding salvation. Okay? It's, it is unquestioned. It is unaffected by anything I do or anything somebody else does. I know for certain that I've received the Lord and I am safe. I am secure. Amen. Now, I know there's a lot of theological debates upon, about salvation and can you lose it. And uh, can a person be saved and then later be not saved. And, and I don't really want to get into that discussion right now. But I do know this. If a Christian is living with even the slightest degree of fear that I might miss heaven, you're gonna, that's going to hurt you. It's really going to hinder your walk and your prayer life and your, your uh, you know, even personal security and feeling good about yourself if there's a question. And one of the ways to overcome that is simply the love of God and understanding how much He loves us. But you need to understand when you're saved and get this helmet strapped on, you're convinced not only on the inside, you're convinced in your mind, man, that I am right with God. I've received righteousness. I've received Him, and I am forever saved. Will the enemy try to attack you in that, in that realm? Absolutely. And he especially, now listen, especially for new believers, but again, that comes on to others who maybe haven't been instructed in this light concerning their own personal relationship with God. Too many people are afraid, of, and, and people have questions. Legitimate, legitimate Christians have questions. What about, if, what about so-and-so? They were a Christian. They received the Lord, and they went out, and they, had, they got fired from their job, and they were all upset about it, and they went out and got drunk. 
just sloshed, jumped in their car, got in a car accident and died. I wonder if they made heaven. You see, and if that's a problem in your mind, say, well, pastor, what do you think? It's not based on what they did. It's based on who's, who they belong to. Okay? Is it a recommended procedure to get to heaven? No. No. And they obviously were duped into it. It's a demonic deception. Okay? For someone to behave that way and then they reap the consequences. But is the person saved? Yes. Listen, if you had to confess every sin before you died, and if you forgot one, or just before, you know, you, you died, you, you know, yelled at somebody, because sin is sin in that regard, right? Then you're, then you're going the other direction? Uh-uh. Because how many know most of us, we, we're, we're history, man. We're toast. To say that everyone, okay, did I get every sin? Okay, I can die now. Because how many know, kind of, a, kind of a lot of people die unexpected. I mean, even if they live a long life, a lot of times they don't know, for the majority of people don't know the last minute, and all of a sudden they're, you know, so have you ever waited, you know, a little bit before you confessed each and every sin? <laughs> okay. And so we need to understand the grace of God, and salvation is something that abides in us. And I wanted to show you a couple of scriptures on that. Uh, look over at 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. Every time a person sins, uh, I mean, it's, it's possible that the thought would come that you're not really saved. In fact, sometimes, again, when someone first receives the Lord, they may have thoughts that, along these lines that, you know if this was really true, if, this, if I'm really changed, if I'm really a child of God now, would I really be having these thoughts? Sometimes people have been confused because they receive the Lord, and then afterwards they find out they can still be tempted. Now, obviously, if you talk to someone who's been saved a while, they, they'll say, like, you surprised? Because <laughs> we know the temptations still come, but sometimes, uh, you know, a, a person can think, well, I don't understand why. I still kind of have... I still feel like doing this. I still have a, a, a temptation to get involved with this behavior. This that's just nothing, has nothing to do with the fact that you've been saved. Jesus was tempted. Jesus. Come on now. Sinless. He was tempted. And so even when we come into Christ and we're born again, and definitely some desires change and things like that, but uh, our, our spirits are made new, but there can still come bad thoughts. There can still come temptations to do wrong. And it does not uh, mean for a second that our salvation is not genuine, that we weren't sincere, that we didn't get the real deal. Hmm? The devil really messes with people. How many know uh, when it comes to kind of a separate subject here, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, Acts chapter 2. And I've talked to so many people who after they received, and man, God moved in them. They spoke in a heavenly language. It was wonderful and glorious and powerful. And the next day they thought, is this the real thing? <laughs> Anybody ever had that thought? <laughs> and you thought, ooh, is this the real, is this real thing or am I just making this up? Well, first of all, you're too intelligent to make something up like that, right? Because if you don't know what you're saying, think about it. <laughs> but but here, here's what happens there is, I can just tell you, I'll just tell off on them, the devil hates it when you do that. 
absolutely hates it when you're filled with the Spirit and speak in a heavenly language. You're messing in a realm that he can't even understand. He can't stop. It'll empower you. It'll change others. It'll give you access to pray for things all around the world by the Spirit of God. And he wants you to quit it. And those of you who haven't jumped aboard yet, he's trying to tuck you out of it. Yeah, he, oh, don't, you don't, don't bother with that. You don't really need that. It's not, it, it's not something that, that's really necessary. It's not, I mean, you're saved, and that's what really counts. And, and all kinds of these good-sounding, you know, ideas will come to you. Uh, why? Because you are much more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness when you receive that gift and when you're filled with the Spirit. Absolutely. So he'll try to talk people out of it. He says it's not necessary. Can I throw this in? Jesus said it was necessary. He told his disciples, you guys stay put. I don't want you doing anything. You stay right there until the promise of the Father comes. And as soon as the Spirit of God fell upon them, remember the upper room, Acts chapter 2, cloven tongues of fire, rushing mighty wind, they all spoke with tongues. Immediately they went out. Immediately they knew, okay, now we can go. Now it's time to go out into the streets and do what God has called us to do. But until that time, this goes back to preparation, doesn't it? It's so important that people be ready. One of the things we need to be fully ready for everything that God has for us is we need to be filled with power. Amen. Well, that's a good side note, isn't it? Praise God. And I know some of you know that very well, but not everybody knows. How many know whenever we have church and, uh, and our church continues to grow and new people constantly coming, there are always going to be people who don't know really very much concerning the Bible. And so we're always going to cover some of this. And, and be led by the Spirit to do so. So if you, always, if you know it really well, say, yeah, yeah, that's good. I know that, and I want to hear it again. Because some people are having their lives changed because these simple truths have gotten past them. And even sometimes people who've been in church a long time. How many know, uh, I don't know, I was in church for a number of years uh, growing up that I didn't know anything about that stuff. And what a life changer it is. What a life changer. And so we need to be operating in this. Praise God. It's so good. Amen. It just makes you want to shout a little bit. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Anyway, so back to uh, our, our helmet of salvation. First uh, John chapter 5. Glory to God. Everybody there? All right. So if you're truly saved, do, do you still ever have wrong desires or temptations to do wrong? Yeah, 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 it just shows you're still here. <laughs> when you get to heaven, no, that won't ever be again. But while we're here, here we've got to deal with it. Saved people have to deal with it, okay? So don't let the devil talk you out of it. Your salvation, that is. 1 John five twelve, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So how do I know if I really have life? This is talking about eternal life, the God kind of life. How do I know if I really have life? Do you have the Son? Well, how do I know if I have the Son? Did you receive the Son? How many know God so loved the world that He gave His only Son? So God's part's done. All right. The only question is, did we receive the Son? How do we receive the Son? You say, I receive the Son. <laughs> huh? That's basically, you know, I receive Jesus. 
And we usually elongate it a little bit and say, as my Savior, as my Lord. And we, we, we stay those things, but it's basically receiving Jesus. If you have received Jesus, you have life. Not going to get life. He, it's just not preparing us to get life. When Jesus came in, life came in. And if I have Jesus, I have life. Okay? Say, what about if you sin? Well, do I have Jesus? Is it scriptural to say that every time you blow it, Jesus leaves? Because didn't he say, I will never leave you or forsake you? That includes times that you're ugly and rude. That, inclu- <laughs> that includes times when you do wrong and you're tempted or you act like, you know, a sloth and just don't do your business and take care of anything. He's still there. If he's still there, according to this verse, you still have life. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And so uh, you go on to the next verse. And he says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you what? Have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. But notice the, the, the tense there, that know that you have eternal life. We must be well grounded and established in this truth that eternal life is not something we get when we die. Eternal life is not something we get when we get to heaven. Eternal life is something we get, present tense, when Jesus is received. When he comes in, eternal life is now our possession. I have it. Why would I give that up? No, never. And, and just because I blow it does not mean I gave up eternal life. It just means a person with eternal life blew it because they, our mind is not saved it's being renewed and our body is still of course we're redeemed from sickness and disease but we don't have the glorified body yet and so a saved person made in the image of God can blow it but doesn't mean they give up eternal life you know you can talk to certain uh, certain groups and this is a good one for the, for those of you who like to share the gospel with other people you'll run into some from Utah and uh, and, and 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 they will tell you uh, if you, you can ask them, do you have eternal life? They will tell you it's something that I'm going to get when I die. And you can take them right to this verse and say, well, I've got a problem here with your theology, your understanding, because why would ever I ever want to join your group? And I don't get it until later when if I just stay with, with the Bible alone, I get to have it right now. And the truth is, if you don't get it ahead of time, you don't get it after you die. Because it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, what happens? You have a choice, right? Once to die, and after that, you decide life or death. After this, you decide, was Jesus really the Christ? Huh? No, the Scripture said after this, the, the judgment. So there is simply no indication in the Word of God that anyone gets to make any decisions after they die. Okay? And this is what we need to understand very clearly. Decisions are made now, and God gives us everything we need now. Praise God. This is called eternal life. And so again, the mind is the primary battlefield that the enemy will engage you in. And this helmet of salvation, knowing, man, I have eternal life. And allowing these things uh, to, 
renew our mind. Of course, that's Romans 12, and let's go ahead and take a look at it. Uh, understand here also that there's a big difference between the person who is deceived into thinking that they are okay and the person that is sure of their salvation because of what God has said. In other words, there is a big uh, psychosis going around our society today that wants to tell everybody you're okay however you are. Everybody's okay. We should all just respect each other's choices and, and whatever you want to do, however you want. Everybody is really okay. Okay. No, everybody is not okay. That, that thought and that message is really the exact opposite of the Bible. Some might almost see it as, well, that's compassionate and that's really Christian to, 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 to think that way. No, it's directly contrary. We need to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has. Everybody has sinned. And so I should never just have this idea that, well, so you're saying I just need to believe I'm just okay. Everybody's okay. No, not okay. This is not the same as thinking everybody gets in. All roads lead to Rome. Everybody is just accepted, you know, and we just, no, no, no. We acknowledge failure, sin, falling short of God's glory, and then receive salvation. And we need to live assured and live with a surety of what we have received, not in any kind of self-sufficiency, I'm okay just because God loves everybody, and so I guess everybody's in. guess everybody's okay. No, that's, that's a deception there to keep people out of receiving what the Lord has for us. But once we receive the Lord, we need to be grounded and established in that fact. Romans 12 and verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, now listen again. Ephesians was writ written to Christians, the church, as we say, at Ephesus. They were told, they were saved people, born-again people, spirit-filled people. Remember Paul went to Ephesus, found the 12 guys? So they were spirit-filled church. We don't have any really record of any non at the time. But they were spirit-filled, saved on their way to heaven. He had a lot of good words for them, but he told them to put a helmet on. In other words, saturate your mind with salvation. And he told the Romans, again, believers... He said, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we can see clearly that salvation, although it is the single most important thing, it's really not the single most important thing after you're saved. Once you receive the Lord and receive eternal life, let's get beyond that. And what are we to focus on after we receive Jesus? Right between the ears. Right between the ears. That's why I find it, you know, troublesome that in, uh, you know, a place that I used to be years ago, I'd go to church week after week, and it was all about salvation. The sermons were all about being saved. Not that many got saved, but once in a while, praise God for that. But uh, 
But for the majority of people there, they did not need to be preached at or preached to. In, in the sense of, repent! Get your life right with God! They were right with God. You know, and today, i got to tell you, some, some people, I think they have an overemphasis on, we just need to be broken. We just need to... Uh, all... No, I was broken. And I did humble myself. And He came in and restored me. And, 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 and that's what I need to know. You see, so many times people don't even, they're not taught that when you receive Jesus, uh, you're saved and now God has given you things. He has invested certain things in your life, given to you by God. How, how many Christians don't have a clue what they have in Christ? Who they, they know who they are in the flesh. I'm John and I came from... You know, Timbuktu, and I lived here, and I went to school here, and I worked this job, and I'm a Christian. Instead of, I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And, and be able to just rattle off, and God's given me this, He's given me this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And these things belong to me now as a believer. I mean, no, if you don't know what belongs to you, you'll never, take, you'll never make use of them. Huh? You know, it's, it's like the, the person that I heard about year to go, years ago who uh, this uh, widow woman and she was uh, living in poverty, living just absolute desolate poverty and someone had given her an inheritance and uh, she had, the, it was either a check or just a, a piece of paper about the inheritance and she didn't know how to read. And so she had, thought, oh, well, isn't that nice? She had it in a frame on the wall. And uh, come to find out she was worth a whole lot of money. <laughs> and she was living in poverty, but yet she was very wealthy. Okay? And, and, and likewise, it's true that many believers, many Christians live far beneath what God intended for the believer's life. Not because God didn't give them anything. Not because He didn't invest in them all the things that they needed for them to live a successful life. But uh, they simply don't know about it. Okay? And that's why when it comes to salvation... Uh, you know, and I understand this. We could expand salvation and teach on healing and prosperity and deliverance. That's really all included in the package. And it's valuable for us to know that. But a lot of that comes back to this again. I've already received Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Let's deal with this, let's deal with this thing between, uh, in our head. Let's deal with our brain. Really, specifically, let's deal with the mind. Deal with the mind and get it renewed. Did we already read this? I think we did. And, uh, but, but again, he, 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 told them, he told the Romans... Now, you guys be transformed. You see, a lot of people wouldn't understand that. If you ask them, have you been transformed? Well, yeah, I received the Lord. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. That really doesn't mean transformed, okay? That means you've been born again, you've been changed, you've been given eternal life, but have you been transformed? And I really wouldn't plan on getting into this, but I might as well while we're here. Uh, uh, the, the word transform there, of course, the Greek word is a word metamorpho or some type of pronunciation like that. More metamorpho. And uh, you recognize the transliteration that we get the word uh, metamorphosis from that. And so we think, of, uh, we think of the caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Okay? And that's really the picture when he says you need to be metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind means that you are saved course they were but you still look like a sinner 
In other words, you still look like a slimy little caterpillar. And God did not intend for you to look like a caterpillar. He did not intend for you to crawl around through life looking up at everything, about to get stepped on, not having much influence. No one looks at you and says, wow, look at that. <laughs> you know, it's ew. <laughs> right? And believers, oftentimes, this is where we can't necessarily see it, but a person can come to Christ and they don't look like they did. Right? Because they're still, they haven't gone or gone metamorphosis yet. How, how does that happen? With the renewing of the mind. In other words, the spirit is changed, the spirit is saved, but the mind is still the same, and it must undergo a process called metamorphosis or transformation. And when that happens, all of a sudden that slimy little thing breaks out of the cocoon and, uh, and starts flying. Woo! <laughs> starts flying above the circumstances of life. They're no longer subject to everything that happens around them, but they fly above, and they look good. They look beautiful. Man, look at people always will look at butterflies and say, look at that, or take pictures of them. And, and, uh, and as kids, we always caught them. And, uh, but but you, you look at their wings, and they're so beautiful. Well, the end result in the Christian life is supposed to be a beautiful life. It's supposed to be a life that's not beneath, but above. Something that flies, and, and it's very attractive. But that's not automatic when someone gets saved. When we get to heaven, I think... We all get it, huh? And, uh, but on this earth, it's going to take a transformation. Can I tell you? Some need more than others. Okay? Because some, it just depends on how our minds were trained and developed in previous years. And sometimes people have got some things that are already thinking like God in an area. And this is why their lives uh, more reflect the Lord. But the more we think like Him, the more we're going to be like him in action and in, in, in view of other people. Okay? You remember the scripture, of course, from Isaiah that says, he said, uh, our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. Remember, his, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Well, that's not said, that's not stated for that to be a permanent reality. Okay? If I'm always quoting that and always just saying, well, my th his thoughts are above my thoughts, I don't think I ought to be doing that. I think when I see that, I ought to be adapting. And that's really what this, thing, what this is talking about. When someone's mind is transformed or renewed, what are they doing? They're adapting. That means every time they read something and what they see does not look like them, they adjust. And adjust. And adjust. You know, the Bible is likened unto a mirror. You can read about this in James and different places. But... The Bible is likened unto a mirror that is a reflection of who we are. And if we're just looking in our natural mirror, we see us. You see all your faults and failures and junk and stuff that does not look like Jesus, right? And, and you're aware of everything. But when you go back to the mirror, the Word of God, what do we see? We're supposed to see who we've become, who we are in Christ. And if I will start seeing who I really am, I stare at that long enough, it will start showing up on me. Okay? This is a principle of renewing the mind and being transformed in Christ. Okay? It's from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord, but the more I see it, the more I can be it. The more I, uh, the more I behold these things, the more I become 
these things. And it's a matter of looking at the right thing. And too many times people look at the wrong thing all through their lives. And maybe, maybe you've been told that you, you know, you're not going to amount to much. You're not going to be able to accomplish much. And people have spoken words of negativity over your life. Or maybe you've just done it to yourself. Maybe you do something wrong and you say, stupid, what an idiot. Oh, I can't. Okay, that's not really scriptural to do that, can I tell you? <laughs> that's not really a recommended uh, psychological procedure to, <laughs> to equip you in, well, in well-being and feeling good about yourself, self-esteem and all that. No, uh, we, we should be saturated with what the Lord says we look like, okay? And again, back to our helmet of salvation, and he says, I'm clean. He says, I've been washed, I've been made a new creation, and I am not the old guy, I'm the new guy. <laughs> uh, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And then you begin to see, and you start to see about how, how, how he's made me, I am healed in Christ. I am blessed in Christ. I have the peace of God. I have the mind of Christ. He's been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And we start to go through, and we see that we have the greater one in us, and we're overcomers in life, that we always triumph in Christ Jesus. And really, He's made us victorious in every circumstance and situation. And as we begin to see ourselves that way, it, sometimes it takes a while. This is not a quick look. Boop. This, is a, it, this is a continual meditation and going back to see. Because we're reminded every day of what we're not and what we can't do in our shortcomings. Let's go back and see what we are. See what the Lord says we are. Agree with Him and things will start to manifest. You remember in the Old Testament, I'll just finish up with this tonight, but in the Old Testament, Israel was on their way to the promised land. Of course, they spent a few extra years out there and because uh, they complained and some different things. But uh, one time, uh, as they were griping and complaining, basically the hedge or wall of protection around them came down and the snakes came in. Remember that? And the snakes came in and they started biting people right and left and people were dropping like flies. I mean, there was, it was mass chaos there. People were dying and Moses cried out to the Lord and, if, and the Lord showed him. He said, I want you to take one of these serpents. I want you to put it up on a pole and set it up. And he said, tell everybody to look at it. They've been bitten by one of these things and they'll look at that. They'll be healed. And, of course, we know the picture of what that really is, is Jesus on the cross. You can read about that in John chapter 3. Uh, but Jesus was the serpent on the pole. In other words, he was the spotless lamb, but he was made sin for us, so he became the serpent or a curse for us so we could be free. And how, how is a person healed today? They look back at what Jesus did. They have to stare at the pole. Now, what's interesting, if you read that verse in the Amplified Bible, it wasn't just a passing look that they needed to do, okay? It wasn't just, whoop, look at the pole, you know, do a drive-by and whoop, you know, quick, quick, look at the pole and, uh, and they get healed. But it no, really implies that they had to fix their gaze. And so when the serpent was up on the pole, they had to look at it for a while. And as they stared at that, their body was healed. And this is likewise the way that we are to deal with. See, some people, I think, have approached their transformation with, too quickly. And with too much carelessness, well, I heard that. Yeah, I remember that message. I read that scripture. I did this. Well, it's not about just looking at it real quick and then going on and thinking the way we used to think. It's not about a quick confession and then going back to talking the way we used to. 
It's about a continual gaze and constant stare at what the Lord has made us and what He's done. Keep your eyes fixed on that thing. Keep staring at, at what Jesus has done for us, how He became a curse so we could be blessed. And as we stare at that, again, this is looking at the Word, our minds being renewed, our helmet of salvation is strapped on, and we're good. I have got to take care of my mind if I'm going to be successful in, in, in this life. If I'm going to live for God, if I'm going to get anything done for Him, my mind is key. And you can see, because of that, that's why the enemy attacks. And a, a little, a little uh, rhymer there, that's why the enemy distracts. Because if he can distract you from looking at the word long enough, the word you've heard will not take effect and will not transform your thinking. We've got to look long enough until that word gets established in us and we now see ourselves in light of it. Praise the Lord. Because when we can see it, again, it's, it's going to manifest in us. And it's going to control the way we act, control the way we think. And the enemy can come at us with all kinds of uh, different attacks and questions and thoughts. But, psh, man, whatever. I've got the sun. I've got life. I've got everything that he has given me. Praise the Lord. And so if your mind is attached only to your feelings, you will question your salvation. You're standing with God. Feelings of unworthiness will tempt you to establish your own righteousness. That's when you get into the, well, I've got to do a little bit better. No, you've got to recognize that you've been made better already and live out of that. That's the difference. One person struggles. The other person stares at Jesus and then lives out of that. Okay? A double-minded person is the one who goes back and forth. Back and forth, back and forth. Stare long enough to be single-minded, to have a single eye. Praise God. Amen. Amen. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, you're a good God today. Thank you for doing good things in us. Thank you for doing good things in our lives, through our minds. Lord, we do purpose to see ourselves in light of what you've made us, to have the helmet of salvation strapped on. Praise God. And every attack, every thought, every wayward thought that the enemy might bring just falls off us like water off a duck's back because we're secure in you. We know who we are. We know what we have. We know what we can do. And Lord, we move forward in confidence and in strength. Thank you for your power. And we'll not let our minds be a hindrance to what you desire to do in us. Father, I give you praise for all you're doing. For all you desire for us, you're a good God, you're a mighty God.